And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was our finest. Hey guys, this is Nathan Allen. This is Sean Allen. And you're joining us for episode two of Petri Dish. So guys, maybe you're like me, you're walking down the grocery store looking for the bottom pack of all the other carne asada flapjacks. <laughs> That's written off 90% because they know where it's been and you don't know where it's been, but that's your life. (laughs) And maybe you've seen a couple things, impossible meat, beyond meat. Wait, what is it again? Impossible foods. And what's the other one? Beyond meat. Okay, so beyond meat, impossible foods. And to me, it's kind of like, it's amazing blasphemy. Like, what, what is it? We've been watching the Jetsons our whole lives. Maybe, maybe it's just me. (laughs) (laughs) but i've been watching the jetsons all night every day for years and finally we have food like them food that's made in a lab food that's invented by a scientist somewhere to be extra delicious to be perfect it's beyond meat and i want to know what is it exactly what makes it beyond meat sean yeah so the ones you're bringing up impossible foods and beyond meat they're like uh veggie burgers wait when you say veggie burgers, you mean like they're, well, but they're beyond meat, right? Like they're the future. Yeah, as in like when you get beyond meat, then we're just talking about like plant protein. Aren't they really just not meat then? <laughs> I don't feel like they're beyond anything at that point. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just the main it's not, point. It's not impossible meat. It's just possible vegetables. So, you know. So uh, sad. Impossible foods. Most of the protein is from soy. And then aside from the soy protein, kind of their their big interesting thing is that they use heme and heme has iron in it and that's what makes it red and kind of bleed. And they actually do that in a pretty cool way. They use GMO yeast that they like transfer the gene for you got a face on your face i'm just so sad yeah i'm sorry dude well i, mean, well, well, I want <laughs> i want the lab meat man i want the science meat i want meat of the future sure i just i feel like all the magic's gone like i opened the wardrobe and it's not narnia it's just james mcavoy naked well look baby don't worry i got lab meat for you what do you, what do you mean there is lab meat out there and if you just shut your sweet mouth for a minute <gasps> i'm gonna tell you all about it So the other day, I was spending some of my free time, as I generally do, looking at these videos and GIFs of Korean cheer squads. Sure, sure. And there was this one GIF that I saw where there was this entire kind of stadium side filled with these Korean dudes, and they were all moving in unison, and it almost made them look like like an LCD screen. What kind of blew me away about that and what made me think about biology, because I'm a nerd, was that, <laughs> was that there's, this, there's this really extreme and intense coordination that needs to happen. But the way that I'm sure that this cheer squad did it was they coordinated their motions to a beat. So each individual person had to memorize a bunch of movements. And then there was some kind of beat that they would all do the movements to. And that's like definitely way more impressive than what I can pull off. But compared to what your body pulls off, there's almost no comparison because your cells in an organ like your liver or in your muscles are not only doing their own intricate kind of dance to a beat, 
they are also paying attention to each other and communicating to each other. And is it to a heartbeat? <laughs> Sounds like a Phil Collins song. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, so they're doing this really kind of uh, intense signaling amongst each other, talking to one another. And the reason why I bring it up is because understanding where this complexity comes from and how complicated it is, is really going to help us understand the challenges for lab grown meat because meat is a product of animal bodies. And that means that it's a product of a lot of cells communicating with one another. So in terms of social acumen and general complexity of organization, you're like an archaea bacteria. A Korean cheer squad is like a eukaryotic cell in all its organelles. And then there's really nothing that humans do that's even comparable to the complexity of the human body. So this kind of, this organization that happens in your body with all these cells talking to one another, there's some terms that get tossed around that I'm going to be using. And so I I want people to know ahead of time what I'm talking about. Okay. So there's organs. All right. And I think people got a pretty good idea, you know. Like spleens. Spleens. Yep. We got liver, heart, kidneys, all that shit. Mm. Right. Testicles. Yeah. Are they an organ? (laughs) Yeah. That's because I was saying that. Testes are on Oregon. Yeah, good job, buddy. That's cool. Look at you. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, so you got organs. And then you also have tissues. So the general idea is that a tissue is a collection of cells, usually of a similar type and for a particular kind of function. Whereas an organ is a bunch of different tissues coming together. Usually, again, for kind of this like larger scale function that requires the coordination of different kinds of stuff. And so the reason why I'm bringing all this up, because we're talking about lab-grown meat, is that lab-grown meat needs to have muscle, the muscle organ involved. And the muscle organ is made up of a lot of tissues. There's skeletal muscle tissue. There's vascular tissue, like blood vessels. There's adipose tissue, that's fat. Connective tissue, that's like cartilage and stuff like that, Mm. and tendons, you know? So when you're biting into a nice juicy steak... All of that is there. You know what I mean? You got some marbled fat in there. It's delicious, right? You know, that's a lot of words, but I remember the Matrix. And in the Matrix, I think they needed fecal transplants from humans. I can't remember what it was, but they needed some some stuff from humans and they had them hooked up and it didn't seem that hard. All they had to do was make an entire fake reality for humans to live in, all humans all across the world so there's no rebellions, which didn't actually work. It, it seemed pretty easy though anyway in the first movie. So why is it hard to grow muscle tissue? All you have to do is make an entire fake reality for the muscles to live in in a petri dish and they'll grow, right? Uh, aside from the words you using being weird about saying that that's easy, I kind of agree <laughs> with you in the sense that like that that is more or less the challenges involved here. Mm. Because these environments inside of our bodies are so complex and it, it means you know you start as a single cell and then develop through time into all of these tissues, all of these organs. A there's... single cell with a soul, though, from conception, right? God, I can't believe it. How are you doing this every fucking episode? It's insane. It's, how is this possible? I don't understand. It's like I can't talk about anything biological without you bringing souls and shit into this. From conception. Oh, my God. Oh, it's rough. Oh, shit. But you were saying. Oh, fuck me. Okay. Yeah. The point being that... The organization that goes into making tissues and organs is really intense. And there's a lot of communication between cells. And at the end of the day, a lot of scientific work that we've done on eukaryotic cells, mammalian cells, human cells, 
has usually involved a much simpler situation. One kind of cell mm. grown in kind of a single sheet. And usually there's something like stem cells or cancer cells. Mm-hmm. So they're not really, they don't, they don't really care about being a super specific kind of cell like a muscle. Sure. So this is really kind of a much more complicated issue. But interestingly, the way that they do it starts out kind of the same that a lot of cell biologists who are probably not listening would actually recognize really easily. To start out with, you need cells from something. You know? Yeah, so this is step one of growing meat. You got to find a cow somewhere. It still mm. starts with the cow because mm. you want to make that primo beef. So you need to take a biopsy punch or something of a oh. cow. You need to get some muscle out of that cow. Hey, what does that mean, by the way, a biopsy punch? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. like in house when they put the needle in something and they pull it out? Uh, kind of, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we put it's a needle like in a cow and we pull some stuff out. Yes. Does that kill the cow? No. Oh, okay. One of the good things about lab-grown meat is that you can get these cells out of a cow without killing it. And then the cows can go on to be the happy cows that you see in the uh, old California dairy commercial. Somehow that feels like a negative to me. But that's a moral thing. Whatever. So if you get stuff from the cow, don't kill it. Take it back, this biopsy. What do we do then? So then you basically take the muscle that you got from that cow and you fuck it up. Okay. (laughs) You fuck it up kind of like you would by lifting at the gym or something like that. And what Uh... that does is it disrupts the muscle and it activates these cells called myosatellite cells. This is a really wonky question, but what do you mean by disrupting cells? Like, what is it that you're disrupting? Yeah, so both mechanically, as in you take it and you like chop it up and you tear it, which actually is also what happens at the gym. So when you work out at a gym, you're like committing genocide against like a bunch of cells in your muscles. Yeah, but they're all you, so it's okay, right? You can self-genocide. That's a thing. I don't know, man. <laughs> High on science, know. okay? <laughs> I don't know if I support this. This is why I don't work out, okay? I'm just... Uh, <laughs> Self-love. So you need to disrupt these muscles. Yeah. And doing that activates these myosatellite cells, which are sort of like the stem cells that reside in all of our muscles. And they're what help you recover from a workout. They're what build the oh. new muscle fibers. Okay. So then you have these myosatellite cells. You put them in something like a Petri dish. Help me visualize this real quick. Like yeah. you have your muscle cells and they're all like connected through their membranes somehow. They're all holding hands. Mm-hmm. And then you work out and you commit genocide against your own body. Yep. Working out's bad. But <laughs> then these other cells, these myosatellites, so they come in and they like bring everyone back together. Or like they build a new bridge. Like what's the metaphor of what they're doing? Those torn muscle fibers are torn. Those myosatellite cells are actually already there. They're sensing that there's this damage around because signals get sent out. Yeah. And so they start dividing and then merging together into new muscle fibers. Oh, that's cool. Oh, okay. I see. So they're the new muscle. Right. Right. So it's not that they're repairing muscle. It's that the muscle's dead. They become the new muscle. You are building new muscle. That's right. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Which is basically what happens in To nations as they grow stronger through war. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. <laughs> okay, so the peachy do, do this to me. It happens also in the peachy <laughs> Why do I keep coming back? <laughs> you love me. <laughs> Brotherly abuse. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> in the petri dish, you have these shocked myosatellite cells, and mm. that shock makes it so that they start producing a bunch of cells. They start dividing. Yeah. And these new cells are called myoblasts. Okay. They're the early pre- <laughs> yeah. 
Myoblast. That sounds like an awful DJ. <laughs> Myoblast. Yeah. yeah, sure. And these Myoblast cells, they're the ones that you get a bunch of in a Petri dish, and then you take those and you split them into a bunch more Petri dishes, mm. and you have them sitting in this liquid that's supposed to be their food. It's called medium. Yeah, I had questions about that, but let's keep going first. Okay, so okay. basically you need to give these cells food to grow. Right. And uh, that's what the medium is, is the food and right. whatever the environment, like the right. liquidiness. Right. Yeah. And the medium is really important. So I'm bringing it up now because it's going to come up later when we're talking about cost. Right. But suffice to say, at this point, medium is expensive and you need a lot of it for these myoblast cells to be happy. And then at a certain point, once you have enough myoblast cells, millions and millions, I mean, up to trillions of myoblast cells cool. from one biopsy punch from grabbing some muscle out of this cow. Yeah. You take these myoblasts and you put them into a gel. Okay. This gel made out of something like cellulose or something sure. like that. Usually cellulose and something called matcher gel, which right. I'll also get into later. Like Jericurl. Yeah, got yeah, Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> you say Jericurl? Don't let me sidejack you. <laughs> Isn't that a hairstyle? Don't let me sidejack you. Damn it. It's just so hard. You say so many words. <laughs> All right. So, so now you got these myoblasts. They're sitting in this gel of collagen. Okay, yeah. And being in a gel, and hopefully being seated in something that looks kind of like a ring, makes okay. it so that they'll form a ring of muscle fiber. Mm. Or really early muscle fiber. Which goes straight onto your grill. Not soon. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> you, you need to give it a while, okay. actually. Though The weird thing is once they start forming these muscle fibers, they'll start contracting on their own automatically. So That's you'll cool. see dishes where they're just going around contracting. Gross. And the interesting thing is contracting is weirdly like flexing or working out uh -huh. in that the muscle fibers will grow bigger by going through this flexing motion. So they're like... They're, they're, they're like getting swollen in yeah. front of you. <laughs> that That is not fucking bullshit. So uh, they do have souls. Goddamn. <laughs> no, because cows don't have souls, do they? I think they do. Are you Hindu now? Uh, I'm Asian. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing, right, is we have step one is get the biopsy of the cow. Step two is put these crazy protein shits, these cells, uh, including uh, what will become myoblastus, mm -hmm. into a medium. Mm -hmm. Step three, I guess, is them just growing, and you're the you're the scientist. You're sitting back. You're drinking a pina colada. Um, yeah, so they're kind of like stem cells, so they could divide a bunch of times. So you just keep them in the medium, and every few days you just check in on them, maybe give them some fresh medium. Well, this sounds easy as shit. Right, so this part ain't that hard. Okay. But we're not done yet. Once you have these guys, and they're in the ring, they're, they've been flexing for a little bit, right? They start to get built up. They're getting stronger, and at a certain point, you know, you can see them. They're basically a couple of centimeters long and about a millimeter thick. And that's all growth from their flexing motion. Would it look like meat at this point? Or is it like, looks like pulled pork? It would look a little bit like thread that's kind of a yellowy wow. color. Okay. Yeah, like a thick yarn of yellow. Oh man. Okay, keep going. I like this. I like this thick, thick yarn. Yeah, so once you have these yarns, you need about 10,000 of them to make a burger. Wow, okay. What this ultimately means is that from one cow sample, you end up getting about 800 million muscle fibers, but that translates to about 80,000 quarter pounders. So you get the threads. Yeah. And then to make that quarter pounder, what do you got to do to make that quarter yeah, pounder? Yeah, smush them together and then uh, from there... Sure, you it's just... like ground beef, basically, so you, whatever. Well, smush them together and then put them into a meat grinder. Okay, okay, cool. 
Yeah. Wow. And that's 80,000 quarter pounders from, from that. From event. one cow sample. Okay. Well, how long does that take? About a month. Okay, well, that's a lot shorter than raising a bunch of cows, right? I mean, I don't know the life cycle of a cow. So I haven't lived on a farm recently. Yeah, me neither. But, but overall, I, I think from birth to eating, it's probably longer than a month. Okay, right? Well, you're probably... <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it, it's funny because we're probably right, but if we're wrong, we'd be so wrong, yeah, right? Like yeah. there'd be some guy in Iowa who's like, oh, man, <laughs> I raise all my cows in three weeks. Yeah. Not a heffenweiser, heifer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those ones are just... <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. wow, a month, and then you have a bunch of burgers. This all sounds pretty easy. Why aren't we doing it now? Basically, a few really, really big issues with this. Okay. okay. And I'm going to go with what I consider to be the more solved issue first, and then the big kind of looming one in the background mm. second. The government... <laughs> the fossil fuels industry has been it, buying it up, trying to stop the research. Epstein. Epstein. <laughs> he did it. They try uh, to frame him. No, fucking, we can't do this. Okay. <laughs> One of the big things is that if you just make a burger patty out of these little meat dudes, these little uh, muscle strands, yeah, it doesn't taste very good. Oh. Yeah? Well, I feel like... I feel like you've been fucking me then because you've been talking to <laughs> 10 minutes about awesome lab meat and it turns out it's all dog shit anyway. Well, here's the thing is one of the major, major elements that's missing out of this is fat. I thought you were going to say umami. No, they got plenty of umami. They that's got umami. The they got that umami. They don't got the fat. Okay, okay, okay. No fat. Okay, and you want that juicy, fatty burger. You want some of that fat in there. I feel like you looked at my fat briefly when you said that. <laughs> okay, so... So fat. Yeah, fat. Okay. You want that in there for the flavor, but... In case you, you know, didn't notice, this entire time we were talking about how to make muscle fibers, mm. myoblasts, and all this stuff. At no point did we mention cells that would actually be fat cells, adipose tissue, white fat. And because they're a whole different kind of cell, it turns out you need a whole different procedure to make white fat. You need to extract it at some point. A lot of times it's out of bone marrow uh, to get what are called mesenchymal cells. <laughs> Say that one more time. Mesenchymal. <laughs> that sounds like a Yiddish insult, right? I All think, these zigamals. <laughs> it's a. I think it's an interesting thing that happens when you shove a bunch of biology like uh, prefixes together because it, it's like it just sounds like Yiddish. It's like mesin and chyme all cells. Uh. So you can take some bone marrow. You can just grab some fat out of a cow. There's a few adipose stem cells in there. Okay. So there's different ways to be able to start the process. Okay. But ultimately, the main takeaway is that, yeah, it still has media. Yes, it still involves a bunch of plates of cells sitting somewhere. But first of all, it takes like two to three months. Wow, okay. Okay, so it's so longer. It's double or triple the time to make fat than protein, because that's not how my body feels. <laughs> right, exactly. Right? Why is it the opposite for us? I don't get it. Science needs to figure that shit out. I almost feel like we should just take fat from people. <laughs> right, you know, I mean, rich people get liposuction. I feel like that was a major aspect of the plot of Fight Club, right. making soap out of people. Although that's probably also the roadblock, right? If we had a system of getting fat from, like, prisoners, we would already be eating prisoner fat. Right. You're you're fucked up in the head. I'm fucked up. Dude, the system is fucked up. That's why I'm writing in these nuts. Okay, for the 2020 election. Oh my God. Okay, change the system. Oh, you're sick. Okay, All right. man. So, so, it takes a long time to make the fat. 
So fat takes a while to make. How similar is the process? Like, is it the same kind of medium or is it like we got to invent a whole different medium? Yeah. This actually segues a little bit into part two of why this is so fucking hard. So I'm just going to finish up the fat part by saying it takes a lot longer, right? That's the main issue. Because once you have the fat, once you have the meat, you can just mix them together in the grinder and boom, you got a patty. It's pretty juicy. Okay. So part two, why is this hard? Cost. Okay. Okay. And so one of the things that it boils down to is you can have the same media for fat cells and for muscle cells. Okay. okay? That's cool. But only if you use something called fetal bovine serum. Okay. 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 And fetal bovine serum. It sounds controversial. Is serum. Okay. From cow fetuses. Huh. From pregnant cows that we're killing to get their meat. Wow. So. Wow. We take the blood out of the fetus. I like that a lot. And then we centrifuge it so there's no cells anymore. And it's just like the blood juice. Oh my God. And that's fetal bovine serum. Wow. Okay. So maybe I was going to say that maybe if we just change the word serum to juice, (laughs) maybe that would help. But now that you've described it. I don't think it does, because it's intrinsically horrifying sounding. The issue here is that you and I both have the same sickness, because juice was my proposal (laughs) with freedom juice. (laughs) Yeah, that's a bummer, dude. We got the same problem. Fetal bovine juice. So in any case, in lab, we call it FBS, so that we don't think about any of those other words. Right, sure. Um, And FBS gets used in most media. Because... A lot of cells use it just fine to grow. And if you leave FBS out, a lot of cells don't grow anymore. Why is it better than fetal pig-like serum? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you get more juice out of the cow. Okay. It being fetal bovine is incidental. Yes. Happens to be that we have a lot of cow fetuses. Yes. Um, but the fact that it's fetuses, why does it matter that it's fetuses? It might not matter that much in that you can use, for example... Some cells grow a little bit better in goat serum or horse serum. And that's from adult horses and adult goats. Yeah. So some cells can grow a little bit better in different kinds of serums. But broadly speaking, fetal bovine is the most common one. Although, even for being the most common, it is extremely expensive. It's probably the top cost associated with growing cells in labs. Mm. And therefore is an extraordinarily high cost for making lab-grown meat if Mm. it's going to be part of the formula. Yeah. Right? On one hand, it's like, all right, well, if it's such a big moral and cost issue, like, this is one case where morals and economics might actually align a little bit. Cool. Like, cut it out then, right? right? But we're not totally sure what's in fetal bovine serum. Okay. And we don't totally know why it's so good at getting cells to grow. So This gets to kind of a fundamental rehash I wanted to do, which is that, so we need the medium for the cells, and the medium is supposed to closely enough replicate uh, whatever is in our body when cells, you know, reconstruct or tissue reconstructs from cells, uh, that the muscle is basically the same, right? Yeah. And so whatever that medium is then has to be like the human body. And what you're telling me then is that we don't actually entirely know what's in there. Yeah, the serum has a lot of stuff. Okay. It's got a lot of stuff. It, it has a lot of, you know, kind of more normal things like maybe sugars and these small molecules that are running around. 
but it also has a lot of different kinds of proteins. Interesting. In lots of different percentages and carbohydrates and right. fats. And, you know, it, it just has so many components to it. Like you said, the human body is really complicated and really complex, and it's hard in a lab to perfectly replicate that complexity. Right. The people have tried. Yeah. People have tried to make what's called serum-free media. And what they have found, generally speaking, is that you can make serum-free media, but the cocktail of stuff you need to mix together is very specific to the cell you're trying to grow. Interesting. So when you take out the FBS, you kind of take out the universality of your media now. Now you got to make one really specific. Otherwise, right. the cells just won't give a shit. So FBS just has like a bunch of stuff in it. We haven't figured out exactly what that stuff is. And so any attempt to approximate it really just ends up catering to whatever we're making in that moment. We can't capture the full complexity of FBS. Right. And to this point, no one has made a as good as FBS media that's serum free Although for in... muscle cells. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah. On top of that for, for fat cells, for adipose cells. So what that means is right now... The cost is kind of high because you have to use FBS. And on top of that, there's these kind of ethical issues. And if at some point lab meat is supposed to replace cows, like if we're like, okay, now all cows can be happy. You know what I mean? We, we don't got to kill them anymore because we've got lab-grown meat. If part of lab-grown meat is cow fetuses, that doesn't really match up, right? With like the whole idea of what we wanted this lab meat for. Sure. So we need to replace FBS. That's like one of the main hurdles here mm -hmm. is we need to be able to hmm. get rid of the FBS. And that's maybe not an impossible hurdle, but a very time exhaustive hurdle while there are other things that you could be eating. Actually, there is one more issue with lab grown meat. Just crushed my dreams. So after you get over the media hurdle, you know, get rid of FBS. Yeah, the, the fetuses is what you're saying. Right. After we get over the fetuses. Well, yeah, the little fetus ghosts. Yeah. Once you're past them, ghosts. You have to deal. There are ghosts, Sean? <laughs> they have souls. You said it already. You scientists have been lying to me. Okay. okay I got it. You get to the gels. The jerry curl. Yeah, the jerry curl gels. Yeah, yeah. And they're made out of a mixture of bovine collagen, which you'll probably need to replace. Wow, I'm never going to use jerry curl again. And something called matrigel. That's cool sounding. And matrigel is stuff that gets secreted out of cancer cells grown in a dish somewhere. Oh. So while matrigel is very cool, and I use it in my own research, there's a lot of people who have concerns about that. And it's extremely expensive. Is the concern that you are... What's the concern? That you're introducing different proteins and potentially cancerous cells in the matrigel that you're not totally sure that you got rid of everything from. Oh. And it's from mice. It's mouse cancer cells. Okay. So now you're adding a separate species in... Mouse ghosts. ...to your meat. Yeah. We now sound you, like... Now you got... Well, I mean, it's cancer, though. So I, I don't know if cancer gets a soul, too. Let's let's calm down on the souls. Well, all cells like consumption don't, have a soul. Don't it! <laughs> all right. So, so matrigel is really expensive, and it's a cancer product. The collagen in the gel is from cows. Yeah. And we're trying to cut cows out of the equation here. But so, we have failed so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we've already failed with FBS. Wow. But on the gel side, you know, they're trying out some other stuff. They're trying some gels made out of kelp. Okay. Alginate, which mm. is from brown algae or kelp. And so far, there's been some success with that. And so if they can use alginate, then they can cut out the matrigel and collagen. But don't kelp forests create a neural network? 
And this have our one living organism with full sentience. So I don't know if that's appropriate. Yeah, I miss Alpha Centauri also. <laughs> and I do wish that Civilization Beyond Earth was more similar to that. <laughs> but in any case, so what it, boils down down to, right. <laughs> what it boils down to is that there are both ethical concerns right. and concerns that are direct contradictions to the aim of lab-grown meat to cut out cows and monetary concerns that matrigel and FBS are super, super expensive. If those can be alleviated, then lab-grown meat is probably something that could really compete in the marketplace. Sure. Like if Russia and America didn't exist, maybe Germany could have won. <laughs> World War II. <laughs> I'm going to say, let's take a break and then we'll get back to it. Hi guys, this is Donatello Iglesias, and if you're like me, you've been listening to our sister podcast, Petri Dish, and you want to know what's in your body. You want a fecal transplant. But the fecal transplant companies right now, they send you a vial, and sometimes the vial, it's just, it's too small for all the poop you have to give it. Or maybe it's just a little too big, and hmm, you just kind of feel small again that day. Well, now you can analyze your feces from the comfort of your own home. Sign up for Poops, and you'll get your own fecal analyzer sent to your home. Plug it into your phone, probably go into your bathroom, and go nuts. Maybe you want to wipe off the rest of your phone, but in 30 to 40 minutes, you'll have your own free analysis of your entire gut microbiome. So don't wait. Sign up. Figure out what's in your gut with poops. That's P-U with an umlaut, P-S, poops. Set your feces free. You know, I guess as a child, I watched a lot of Voyager and I would watch Neelix in a tight apron walking around the kitchen making lab-grown foods and feeding all the beautiful people of Voyager. And so I always thought lab meat was like a brilliant idea. I... But, <laughs> shit. but I have an epiphany now <laughs> that maybe lab meat doesn't matter that much. I thought I was going to get through the entire rest of my life without thinking about Neelix. <laughs> Neelix? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Always mixing up with Snarf Snarf. Yeah, he's like Snarf yeah. from the Thundercats. But hey, don't distract me, Sean. <laughs> but <laughs> but so, so what I'm getting to then is like why I have all this excitement, but to the average consumer, but to the average person, like why would we ever even care about lab-grown meat then? Like it sounds like it's just it's super hard, has all these hurdles, just sounds like kind of a crock of bullshit. That's a really fair question to ask. And... <laughs> Basically, both this and, to a certain extent, things like Impossible Foods and Beyond Meat were all kind of spurned by this truth that the worldwide demand for meat has been increasing. But at the same time, meat can be extremely, uh, the production of meat through livestock can be very destructive to the environment. Cows can be very water intensive they can be extremely land intensive and they're also a pretty large producer of greenhouse gases out their butt let's take a step back real quick so cows they make climate change by farting yeah yeah so cow butts emit a lot of methane and that basically results in a pretty considerable greenhouse gas emission so 
you're saying climate change is real. <laughs> God. <laughs> you uh, saw it coming. I don't. You I, knew I was gonna I'm, say it. I'm gonna be honest. I did not see it coming. <laughs> you did. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, we we are. So let's just presume for this conversation that you liberal cucks are right and climate change is real. <sighs> Fuck. <laughs> Eventually, someday we will do a climate change episode. I'm just I'm just too tired. I can't do it right now. <laughs> Things are too dismal. Some when I'm more hopeful. Yeah, I do believe in climate change. Oh my god. Or do I? <laughs> Listen in. So, about 15% right. of greenhouse gas emissions are from cow butts. Is it all livestock or just cows? So, most of the greenhouse gas emissions are from ruminants, which are mm. grass-eating animals that usually have multiple stomachs to kind of process and build up more of this methane. Because of their microbiome. Because they... of their micro... Last episode! Oh. So compared to like goats or something like that, yeah, one cow will produce more methane than several goats. Wow. But also, there's way more cows out there than goats because not as many people eat goats. So, so, so cows are probably the main contributor. So cows are like a uniquely big blaster of greenhouse gases amongst livestock in general. Yeah, my understanding is that when it comes to land usage or like maybe environmental ecological destruction, pigs can be comparable. Mm. But there's um, just a lot of cows. Yeah, there's a lot of cows, and and pigs don't produce as much methane as cows. Well, that gets me to the next thing, right? So there's just the fact that cows, we have a lot of them. They make a lot of greenhouse gases and thus contribute uh, heavily to climate change. Also, land use. Cows are just inefficient vis-a-vis how much land they need, right? Yeah, there's there's like a cool ivory tower economist efficiency point to it. I don't like them. But also, there's kind of the more liberally cuck argument of, like, cutting down the Amazon forest to make sure. more land for cows. Oh, well, right? and this is another one of those cases where economics and maybe morality actually collide, right? right? Or not collide, but, like, come together. Because cows using land inefficiently is important when you could be growing soy right. on that same amount of land or some lame crap like that. And you would yield so much more protein... And there's so many Del Taco burritos compared to if you had cows there, right? Right. And so when you look at the numbers, lab-grown meat is thought to be significantly more efficient in terms of water and land usage. Right. Just to rehash what the number was, was that like one cow that you don't even kill gets you 80,000 quarter pounders. Right. Okay. And that cow is fine. You know what I mean? You can put him up at the Ritz-Carlton, have him hang out for a while, and then take another biopsy punch later. So we have this lab-grown meat, and in terms of land usage, water, it's better. In terms of energy, okay. in terms of energy, estimates are really all over the place. Interesting. So in some cases, it's considered maybe more energy efficient. Uh, and in other cases, it's considered to be more energy intensive than just like letting cows be out there. Right. That's kind of taking into account, oh, the sun shining and getting converted into grass and cows eating and all this shit. But when it comes to energy, the tricky thing there is it depends on what energy are we using in our laboratory to make this meat or factory at that point. Right. If the energy is renewable, then it's a net boon. If the energy is still like just like shoveling Appalachian people into a coal furnace, then like... It doesn't work. It's, it's maybe it's a boon for the electoral college, but it's, <laughs> oh but it's not. But, but it's not a boon for you know. I don't actually support that. I can't <laughs> believe you've done this to Appalachia. <laughs> I actually quite like Appalachia. 
Where is Appalachia? It's in the movie Logan Lucky. Oh, which okay. was quite good. I wish more people saw it. Is Kentucky Appalachian? New. Ah, um, uh, oh, it doesn't. matter. All I know is West Virginia. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is plenty fun. The movie Deliverance <laughs> is Appalachia. Sweet like a pig. All right. All right. So, so in scheme of like, should we do this because climate change and land usage and ecology? I think replacing having just a shitload of cows out there right does seem like it'd be a good idea right okay if we can figure out the fetal serum thing because the right. fetal serum would still imply killing a bunch of cows right assuming that we get everything perfect with this right which by the way right now because of things like the fetal bovine serum and the matrigel and all this stuff we're talking about like a thousand dollars a burger patty okay? jesus so cost i've only me- spent that much money on a burger once <laughs> And it was in France. It was 100% Cambodian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cambodian but. <laughs> but we need to bring the prices down. Okay? Right. It's thousands too much. And, you know, in a marketplace where you have impossible foods and beyond meat, and they also, you know, hypothetically will eliminate having to have pastures of cows out there, can you really justify all the time it would take to make this thing work out? But I will say that there is one area... Where lab-grown meat may someday, and I'm talking about like decades from now, okay, but may someday be the thing that would actually help us lower the amount of cows out in the pasture. What's that? And that's like steaks and stuff like that. Okay. Like I think in all of this, people, it, it's really easy to kind of talk about like, oh, dude, like the Whopper, you know what right. I mean? But like we're actually Whopper. only talking about burgers and burritos right now. Yeah. So, you know, like it's really easy to take a bunch of plat protein and kind of shove it together into something. If like ground, what does ground beef really look like anyway, right? Like it's all messed up. But when you have like a pristine ribeye steak or something, it's really hard to take a bunch of plant protein and like extrude it out into some kind of shape that's going to look like a steak. Or an authentic Szechuan monkey heart. Right, Right. exactly. You know what I mean? If you're sitting down at the table and you want a little bit of that primate heart inside of you. You hear the screams in the back. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's a whole experience is what I'm trying to say. It's an organic experience. It's hard to replicate through lab-grown meat. Did you do the monkey screams for the intro? (laughs) No. No? Because you would have, you could have nailed it. I could have nailed it. Yeah. Don't let, don't let those monkeys come in and take your job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, so with something like a steak though, you have kind of a more complicated situation. Okay. The same reasons why you can't just go to Impossible Foods and be like, hey, make me a steak out of your soy protein. Right. The way that we're making meat in the lab-grown meat side is also not sufficient. What's the difference with the steak? Steak, kind of like a full organ, like a heart or a kidney. It's got all these different tissues mixed together in really, really... Clear and important way. So That's like the marbling. When you right. get a really good steak, it's marbled. And it's hard to replicate that in a lab. Right. Especially if we're growing the fat and the muscles in Separately, different dishes. Right, right. Right. So you need to be growing them together. And you need to be growing them 3D. Right. Right. So you need to be able to have this whole scaffold where you have cells in different spots and they're growing together. And all of this is to say that this is a technology that is being worked on. Mm. Okay. So this is out there. It's called... 3D printed organs. It's mostly being used for legitimate purposes, like <laughs> printing hearts and kidneys for transplants. Right. Right. So this is kind of, that's one of the main goals of the technology. But hypothetically, that same technology could be used to 3D print a steak. And when you do that, you're not going to be doing it the impossible food style. 
you're going to be doing it lab-grown meat style with actual sure. meat cells and actual fat it's cells. It's kind of like how the moon landing, which did happen. Uh, the moon landing, right, had all sorts of technologies it needed to accomplish the moon landing that were clearly more important. But just like one of the side effects, one of the side technologies they needed was just a new lubricant for inside the astronaut suits, which turned into Jericurl. God damn. <laughs> it's like that. We're like, we're trying to make uh. hearts and uh, livers, but we can apply the same technology for things that are honestly more fun and delicious, <laughs> like making steak. So I know that at some point you decided Jericurl was going to be the through line for this episode. It's but not. It's just in I, there. I don't know why you did it. <laughs> All right. To kind of recap. I think that realistically, the main justification for any of these meat replacement technologies is that the livestock industry and realistically, mostly cow side of it right. is potentially destructive in a lot of ways. And we want to, at the very least, be able to take a dent out of it. Right. When it comes to that, all other things being equal, probably the plant-based options are faring a little better right now, but- It kind of sucks to eat plant-based options. And- Realistically, are people going to stop eating cows if you only give them burgers? Right. They want the other stuff. You know lingua. What I mean? People, people, yeah. Cabeza. Sure. Heads, yeah, sure. Culo. Uh-oh. But when it comes to steaks, maybe the meat-based lab-grown option will eventually give us that technology. Yeah. You know, I, I do want to say as kind of like a closing note on this idea, all of this stuff is about replacing what already exists, but... If we have this technology up and running, we can go a step further. We can make better meat. You know what I mean? Like we, we can oh. include more nutrients in the meat. We can have more vitamins involved. We can include a higher level of protein or we can use different fats, tailored right. fats that are less uh, unhealthy for you. So it'll still taste really good, but it won't have all of the negative cardiovascular effects that some of the animal fats can have. That's interesting. And so I think that that is an option that, you know, it's still out there because, hey, if we're talking about $1,000 a patty, technology's not there yet, right? Right. But if we get there eventually, maybe we can start to think about how can we take this and move it to the next level so we truly have some of that future meat from the Jetsons you were talking about. The Jetsons. What's interesting to me about the whole conversation that I think we haven't even talked about yet is how it exists within... Like there's there's an environmentalist and an ethical reason and hopefully someday an economic reason to pursue all these options. And it sidesteps entirely all the hippies in Marine County that would never even need it anyway, even though they want to like, quote unquote, save the planet. They wouldn't need it anyway because it's all processed. Right. Like that's what's funny is you're talking about how you can supplement meats. And it reminds me of the more nuanced conversation around different ways to genetically modify vegetables that are very rational and that are very interesting conversations. And then you walk out the door and then there's a protester who's like, don't fuck with my vegetables in any capacity, whatever it does, no matter who it saves, because like maybe something, maybe Gattaca, right? Yeah. Someday we can talk about this, but it's fascinating how many different and somewhat overlapping identities and groups right. there are. Impossible Foods worked very hard to make their burger gluten-free, but in the process switched to soy and then had to, first of all, include soy, which some people don't like, and second of all, because of volume, have to use GMO soy. Uh, and so there's a lot of people who don't like it now because it's genetically modified. This is why... This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> you know what I mean? But in any case, I think that's all part of kind of a bigger story. Right, right, right. Something for Donatella Iglesias, probably. <laughs> Our sister podcast, not brother. Sister podcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining in. That's our conversation about lab-grown meat. 
I was someone who I think came into the subject with a weird mixture of knowledge and entire misinformation, mostly because of the ads on the side of the Del Taco around the corner of my house. And so this has been, I mean, this has been really good for me. And I, I really appreciate you, you soaring out all this crazy crap for me. Uh, and thus proving to me how there really is no ethical way out of this bind. I should, I really should just keep eating meat. <laughs> yeah. God, there's going to be so many angry vegans. <laughs> oh, how terrible. Yeah, so thank you everyone for listening. And, you know, we got a bunch of stuff now. We got a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Petri Dish. This podcast is now available on all kinds of stuff. So I don't know if you first picked it up on Podbean, but now it's on everything besides iTunes and probably iTunes soon. So it's on Google Play, it's on Stitcher, it's on Spotify. We nominally have a Facebook page and Twitter. And so all of these things are possible. And these are kind of early days, but I think eventually once we have kind of a listener base and everything, we do want to hear from you guys about, hey, topics you want to know about, or if you thought the episode was interesting, or if we missed something or something like that. And so our email address is petridishpod at gmail.com. Guys, email us, sign up for our Patreon. Uh, if you if you sign up for Patreon at any level, you'll just get like increasingly large volumes of bovine fetal serum we can't afford that that is actually very expensive i can't do that <laughs> i cannot so sign money. off on that guys that may be not doable <laughs> we'll just send you a cow fetus then all right and we, you we, can get the serum out of it <laughs> we need to thank our uh producer and sound engineer and sound lord stacy stacy song and then for all of the graphical assistance with all of our artwork that you're going to be seeing on the patreon and everything like that we need to thank brian allen and then we need to thank you guys for listening in <laughs>